Coming up next on Grace Alone Radio, a message from the Primitive Baptist Pulpit. For further information about this sermon, locate our contact information on the feedback page at gracealoneradio.net. Now here's today's message from the Primitive Baptist Pulpit. The uh, title of the message this afternoon is Finished, Finished, Done. Give me just a few minutes as we consider three places in the Word of God where the word finish is used, and then the last place is going to be the word done, but it's the same meaning. So the first place we want to look at in considering finished, finished, done is Genesis 2 and 1. And I want you to see from the Word of God that the Lord is the finisher of creation. In Genesis 2 and 1, He says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them, The definition of the word finish there where it occurs is to end, to cease, to complete, to accomplish, utterly be done, fulfill, bring to pass wholly. So if you believe the word of God and you believe the biblical account of creation, everything aside from a few things that Jesus miraculously created whenever he was here, he created more fish and more bread. Aside from a a tiny, tiny exception or two, everything that you see around you, the the substance of everything that you see around you, the basic root and, and rudiments of everything you see around you that you encounter every day was finished on that sixth day. And it says on the seventh day, God ended his work which he had made and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because that in it he had rested from all his work which God created and made. These are the generations of the heavens and of the earth when they were created and the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. So you understand that when it comes to creation, those six days, it was six literal 24-hour days, the God of heaven and earth is that God, the only God that is powerful enough and capable of creating the rudiments or the substance, the basic substance of everything that you see around you. Now that's stunning when you think about it because that substance around you, whether it's the pew that you're sitting on or the the, the walls that hold the roof up of this building or the trees that you see outside, The original substance of those things were created by God and they are here today because 6,000 years ago He did that. And when He was done with that work, it says that He rested. He was finished and He rested. Now this word finished is used several times in the Old Testament. One of the places that's notable that that helps to make the point, I believe, is in Ruth, the third chapter, in the 18th verse. This is when Naomi looks to Ruth and, and they're talking about what's, a, what's going to happen with Boaz. By the way, Boaz is a type of Christ. He is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think it's notable that when she speaks of Boaz, the near kinsman of her deceased husband, who eventually takes Ruth as the wife and redeems the dead line of Naomi's husband, she says of him in Ruth 3 and 18, Then said she, Sit still, my daughter, until thou know how the matter will fall, for the man will not be in rest until he have finished the thing this day. 
She says of Boaz that he won't rest until he finishes the work that was before him. And of course, you can go and read about that beautiful work where, you know, most, a lot of times today, most of the time, I mean, really all of the time today, whenever a, a, a people, a husband or wife go to court, they are usually going to sue for or file for divorce, which is a sad thing, but it happens. In this situation right here, this is a man who is going to court to file for the opportunity to marry this girl. He goes to court to marry her, and he will not rest until it's finished. And he doesn't. He goes and he confronts the, the near kinsman who was before him, and he negotiates or confronts him, and he forsakes his right to redeem and relinquishes that right to Boaz. And then at the end of the day, he is at rest, and he is in the position to marry Ruth. Nehemiah, the 6th chapter in the 15th verse, it speaks of when they finished the wall, building the wall around Jerusalem. And it says, so the wall was finished, that's the same word, in the 25th day of the month Elul, in 52 days. And if you've ever looked at the geography of Jerusalem, to finish that wall, or at least have the basic foundation of protection laid, in 52 days was a miracle. You know why it was that way? It says because the people had a mind to work. We are unaware. I always look at the Christians and even primitive Baptists, especially among the nation as a sleeping giant. We are yet unaware of the abilities that we have before us. If the people of God will, will gain a mind to work, the walls of the kingdom can be built and the foundations laid and it happens in a very short time. Perhaps you've heard the beautiful account of the revival of Zion Church, which is where my brother is the pastor. And he, he will tell you, it's somewhat humorous, he'll say, you know, the Lord knew that he didn't have enough faith to wait a long time for the church to revive. So I've always, I've joked and said Zion was like a church that you just poop, popped open a can and it was, it was instant church. They had about 25 people just like that within 18 months. And Chris says it's a testimony to his lack of faith. <laughs> Because here's Brother Tim over here working and working and laboring for, you know, years and years and years and the church is growing. Well, over there, boom, all of a sudden he's got this little church in a can popped open. We don't know what we're capable of until we trust in the Lord and just have a mind to work. The Lord's, of all the places on the globe in that day and time, when they were building back the wall in Jerusalem, when they felt forsaken and distant, they were there working and laboring, and the Lord had His eye on that place. You see? If you'll get that mindset that the Lord... You say, well, we're just little and we don't really you know, have any impact or whatever. I'm telling you, child of God, the church of God is the kingdom of God. It is, it is the beautiful presence of God where we can connect with God on this earth. He's left it here. He designed it that way. It is our highest point of connectivity with God in worship on this earth. And His eye is upon the church of God. We need to embrace that. And we need to have a mind to work. That's the same word, finish, there, as what He said in creation. Now, obviously, that applied to men working. And in Ruth, it applied to Boaz working. And in the book of Genesis, it applies to God working. Now, if, you, if you've ever read the book of Proverbs, the 8th chapter, one of my favorite areas that relate what was going on in creation. It speaks of how the, the Lord created. 
It says in the beginning he possessed his way. Speaking of wisdom, Jesus is a reference to Jesus Christ, the Father and the Spirit, and what they did in creation. And when we say work, it was really like play for them. It would be like me saying, hey, how are you doing? Or hey, go do this. It doesn't take a lot of effort to speak, you see. And Jesus, as the mouthpiece of God, is speaking the world into existence. So the reason I'm telling you that is so you won't think of God as being tired. He was not, oh goodness, I'm, I'm out of breath. i got to take this seventh day. i got to take a break. That's not how God was. The Lord is standing back and He's saying, let there be light. Let there be trees. Let there be ground. Not necessarily in that order. Let there be animals. Let there, let, let there be this. Let there be that. He's, it's speak work for God. And the beautiful picture that's given in Proverbs 8 is... I like to think of how my children used to run in the yard and say, watch me, Daddy. Watch me, Daddy. I'm going to do a somersault. I'm going to do a flip on the trampoline. I'm going to do this. Now, again, I'm not trying to say the Lord Jesus Christ was a little bitty boy. I don't mean that. But the imagery cannot be missed because it says that the Lord was daily His delight. You see, they were having the time of their lives in creation. The creativity of God, the heart of God is expressed in the words of God that brought forth the beautiful pictures and paintings that only God could make. If you've ever read uh, any of C.S. Lewis, which is one of my favorite writers, there's two favorite chapters that I have of all those writings of the Chronicles of Narnia, and I can't decide which one is, the, is my favorite. <laughs> but one of the chapters is, the, is in the last battle, the last chapter where it speaks of them going on and being with with Aslan and, and, of course, Jesus or whatever in heaven. But there's also another favorite chapter of mine, and that is the creation of Narnia. Whenever the, uh, one of the little boys stumbles up into, the, into this particular world and he just happens to stumble into the darkness and he hears this voice. I think C.S. Lewis got it close to right. Uh, of course, it's just fiction, but it's good fiction. It's good fiction. And so it, it just brings tears to my eyes to think about the song of Aslan as he sings there. And as he sings that deep, low sound from his voice like a bass tone, he brings forth all of these, these bassy type creations there. And as he goes higher and he begins to sing a higher tone like a tenor or something, he brings forth the, the, the birds and the butterflies and these, these higher tone type things. I tell you, it's a beautiful picture. And I think he got it from Proverbs the 8th chapter. Because there it says that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the wisdom of God, was daily the delight of God in creation. What are we going to make today, Dad? Watch me, Dad. I'm going to make these trees. I'm going to bring forth these rivers. I'm going to bring forth these animals. I'm going to bring forth these fish. I'm going to bring forth these birds. That's amazing, son. How incredible it is. You are amazing. You see, the heart of God was expressed in creation. It was just speak work. It was just like, a, like play work for God. And then the Lord says, I'm done. I'm finished. Look at this. Can you imagine the, the majesty and the, and the regal splendor of God and the joy that was in the heart of God as He beheld that? Don't lose your thoughts and your mind and your, and your common sense when it comes to the foolishness of evolution. You see how all of that beauty that we just talked about and the glory of God and all of that speak work of God as God literally played there and brought forth. This, this earth and this universe is just the play work of God. And then evolution demeans all that and turns it all into we're nothing more than animals. Stem from animals. Don't think for one second that evolution is some other possibility. It is a direct attack against the heart and the character of God. 
and the so-called evidence of evolution is just as well and much easier understood by interpreting it in terms of a creator God that judged the world and brought a flood. It takes less faith to believe that than it does in the millions and millions of years. So God is the creator. And when he finished creating, notice what it says. He rested. He wasn't tired. He just said, I'm done. <laughs> like the most beautiful painting of the greatest painter that's ever lived. The brushstrokes of God across the universe, across the skies, across this earth, across even man himself. From the mind of God, you have this incredible creation. So when you see the trees, when you see even the substance that these things in here are made of, it comes from the original substance maker. And by the way, that substance that you may be even sitting on in the pew or that's on the walls or whatever, it goes all the way back to those first days of creation. Kind of puts things into perspective, doesn't it? God created. He said, I'm finished. And He rested. Look at John 19, verse 30. Here we find the Lord doing another work. And this work is quite different. Whereas creation will speak work, just play work. Watch me, Daddy. Watch me create this. You're going to be amazed at what I'm about to do. Now, I've joked with my kids. Sometimes they would do stuff like that, you know. And I'm a little bit of a smart aleck, just a little bit. And I'd say, oh, honey, when they do something, you know, like roll over or something, you know, or turn over or jump and try to do a somersault or try to do uh, a cartwheel and couldn't quite do it. I was like, oh, honey, that was underwhelming. That was just underwhelming. <laughs> that was not the way it was in creation. It was overwhelming what Jesus was doing. And you talk about overwhelming. In John 19 and 30, we have the second finished. When Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. That's the Greek word teleo. It means to complete, to execute, to conclude, to discharge a debt, to accomplish, to fill up, to finish, to pay, to perform. That's a lot of definition, isn't it? And I'm telling you that Jesus, when he cried out, it is finished, he had completed everything that he came to do. He had executed the will of his Father. He had concluded the work of salvation. He discharged the debt of sin that we owed. He'd accomplished the will of his Father as he came to do the will of the Father. He'd filled up the measure of being everything that God had expected him to do. He'd gone over every rule and kept every thing of the law to a jot and to a tittle, dotted every I, crossed every T, performed every work that he was supposed to do, and he finished it. There was nothing left to do. And he gives up the ghost. And now, after the resurrection, after going back to heaven, he's eternally resting in that work. There's nothing for you to do to add to it. And you can't take away from it, praise God, or we would if we could. <laughs> we just need to do as the Lord did. Rest in the finished salvation that he brought on the cross. You see that? You need to rest in the creation of God. You need to rest in the salvation of God. Now remember this. It was speak work and like play work when God created. But in this situation here, it's hard work. The Lord, as you've seen in Isaiah, says, I have made bare my holy arm. And that literally means 
he took his sleeves and he rolled them up and he showed his guns. <laughs> you know, now I'm not saying Jesus was like an, uh, I don't even know who to use nowadays. We used to use Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know. I don't know who to use nowadays, but somebody, maybe The Rock, you know, <laughs> rolls up the sleeve. Man, th those guns would, if he flexed them, it'd knock you out, you know. I'm not saying he was like that, but I am telling you that in the work of salvation, the Lord has rolled up his sleeves and he has gone to hard labor to accomplish that salvation. So whereas the Lord looked at his son in creation and was daily rejoicing in him and the smiles on the face of the father and said, great son, that's great. I love it. That's beautiful. That's amazing. It's incredible. Well, here the Lord is turning his face from his own son. Won't even look upon him. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? This is hard work. This is the work of your salvation. You say, why would the Father turn His face from the Son? Because of you and because of me. Because He was made to be sin. As the brother prayed this morning, I believe it was. He was made to be sin who knew no sin. Jesus went to a place that He'll never go again. He endured the chastisement of God that He'll never endure again. And He took upon Himself something on Him and in Him that He'll never do again. And it's called your sins. You see, he'd never been there before. He'll never go back again. Why? Because he finished it. <laughs> and now he's resting. Are you resting in the finished work of Christ? He sees you as blameless. Not because you are blameless from a natural standpoint, but because he's blameless. The Lord looks at you through his son, through the blood of his son. So your sins, though they were as scarlet, now they are as white as snow because he washed them away on the cross. He didn't hide them or sweep them under the rug. He paid for them on the cross. That was hard work. Don't you ever forget it. Hard work. I've had a few days of hard work in my life, especially back when I was younger. I, cu I couldn't do it now, I'm certain. <laughs> but when I was younger and growing up on the farm, and I think about some of those days when Dad would send us out there and we had these old... Bodoc posts. I don't know what y'all call them up, up here in North Carolina, but they were these posts that we would use for uh, putting um, staples in and putting barbed wire, and they would last forever. I mean, it took them 40, 50 years, it seemed like, to rot. So we were replacing five-strand barbed wire fence that Dad had built, you know, when he was young. <laughs> I thought it was a pretty good deal, but now they, now they cheat and they put up all these little electric fences. But anyway, that's another story. But we'd get out there, and we would work from morning until late late afternoon sometimes near night and oh i loved it i loved that kind of work we dig post holes we'd run strands of wire and i mean we we'd sweat through our shirts and and our uh our things we were wearing our, even our boots we'd sweat through you know through the whole day and we just thought that was making us tougher and tougher and tougher i loved it <laughs> i couldn't do it today if i wanted to <laughs> but that helped develop me. That hard work helped develop my work ethic so that I, I still carry that with me today. I think to myself, well, if I could have lived through that and made it through that, I can do anything. <laughs> and there's no job too dirty for me to do. I'm not too good to do any job. But I take that into my professional workplace. I take that into the ministry. You think about the Lord Jesus Christ who went to a place and it says we know he's the captain of our salvation because of the things that he endured. And he, you might say in one sense, he learned something on the cross because he endured the suffering of the cross and he'll never have to do that again. You talk about the perfection of God. He was already perfect. But you talk about enduring something that is, is unprecedented 
when he had the sins, your sins, my sins, the sins of all of the elect of God laid upon him on that cross and made to be sin, he owned the sin that you have committed and ever will commit. He owned it. Wouldn't it be great if politicians would own what they do? Wouldn't it be great if we would own what we do? Let's just don't lay it off on the politicians, you know. Let's make sure we're owning what we do. I tell you, there's nothing like mercy that has come to me in my life when I have owned something that I've done. I've had people so mad at me over this, over that, and they'd come to me and they'd say, you did this, and they're expecting a fight, and they've got their dukes up. I don't mean literally, but from a figurative standpoint, you know, they're ready to rumble. And I'd just look at them and I'd say, you know, you're right. I did do it. It's me. And it's just like their countenance fell. <laughs> you ought to try it sometime. If you, I'm not saying admit to something that you didn't do, but I'm saying if you did it, just admit it and go on. There is nothing like, it's such a relief when you own what you have done. Oh, child of God. Christ didn't even do what you have done, but He owned what you have done. He made it His own. And when He had suffered sufficiently under the wrath of God for what you and I did, He cried out with a loud voice, which was contrary victory against being crucified and not having any breath he says it is finished hark the voice of love and mercy he cried out it is finished and then he resurrected he went back to heaven and he's resting in that work god is satisfied that's why the beautiful picture of hebrews the second chapter i believe it is for the Lord Jesus Christ i can just see him walking into heaven with his hands stretched wide with his Scars in his hands showing. And he says, as the multitude hosts of God's redeemed and resurrected children come in behind him. I can see it in a V-shape, Brother Michael. It would be a mighty big V-shape that would go on for a long time. But here comes the Lord through the gates of heaven and he looks to his father and he says, Behold, I and the children that thou hast given me without the loss of one. Are you resting in that finished work? The Lord is. You should be too. He finished creation and he's resting in it. He finished salvation and he's resting in it. And then a little bit different word is used in Revelation 21 and verse 6. Let's read verse 5. Revelation 21 and 5. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, that's John, write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is is done finished finished done now i love the word definitions i know your pastor does too because he often shares them i think i might have picked up on some of that from him i love the definitions now this is a different definition than what you have for where he cried on the cross it is finished and it's also a different definition obviously from the hebrew where he said he is finished listen to this greek word for it is done it is the greek word g-i-n-o-m-a-i geneomai and the word gen right there, G-E-N, is where you get the word genesis from or generate. Now that's an interesting done. This is a done where he's saying, I'm done and now something new is starting. You see that? To cause to be is the definition. To become or come into being. Used with great latitude, the definition says, to arise, to be assembled, to become, to be brought to pass, to be fulfilled, to be ordained to be, to partake. Are you ready for this? To be married. That's something, isn't it? The marriage is done. It doesn't mean it's over. <laughs> 
It means that everything has been signed, sealed, and now the bride is delivered. And so she will go forward in eternal bliss in the marriage covenant with the Lamb forever and ever, as the old song said, forever and ever, amen. That's a different kind of done. That's beautiful, isn't it? Eternal rest. The song we sang, I think, last night. One of my favorite lines in all of the songs. The glorious hope of endless rest is pleasing news to me. Can you imagine when the Lord says it is done and He ushers in your real, true existence? This is not your true existence. I mean, it's real because you pinch yourself. It's real. But you understand this is not your real eternal existence. This is just a temporary stopping point. The dear lady that was visiting last night, I don't think she's here today, but she was visiting last night. I said, where do you live? She said, well, I'm just temporarily here. And that lodged with me because I was just thinking, we're, we're temporarily everywhere. <laughs> you see, we're just temporarily everywhere. No matter where we live, we're just passing through because we haven't gotten yet to the it is done. This it is done, he says unto me, it is done. I am the Alpha, the beginning, and the Omega, the end, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is the thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. You see, this is the final consummation of the glory of God, of the heart of God, that started all that time back in creation when he said it, it's finished and he rested on the cross. When there's salvation, he said it is finished and he rested. And then there's going to come that beautiful day Whenever he says it's done. But that done is a little bit different than completed and it's over. That done is it's just beginning. Ephesians 1 and 10. That in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. That gathered to gather in one is one word, and it's way too long for me to pronounce it. <laughs> but it's a long Greek word that gathered to gather in one means exactly what he says there in Revelations. It is done. And there won't be anyone missing. There won't be anyone left out or left behind. I don't know if you're a, as big of a fan as I am of the Lord of the Rings, <laughs> the Tolkien work, but Brother Luke Kegler and I were trading messages back and forth for a period of time, seeing how many quotes of the Lord of the Rings we could get in a message week after week, and we finally just ran out. But That's probably because we just gave up. But one of my... Now, you got to read the book to get this one now. It's not in the movies. Movies are awesome, but this is in the book. And the real hero of the story, as I don't know if you've read the book or seen the movie, but the real hero of the story is Sam, the little hobbit Sam, who supports his friend, all the way through the mess that they have to go through. But Sam is the real hero of the Lord of the Rings. A little nobody hobbit. <laughs> and whenever it's all said and done and they've destroyed the ring and they think they've, they're dead and they get carried away by the eagles back to Rivendell and they're there recovering and Sam wakes up and everybody comes in and they're all having a rejoicing, wonderful time and Gandalf, the wizard who he thought was dead all that time, comes in. Little Sam looks up at Gandalf and he says this, has every sad thing come untrue? Now, you think about that statement. It could have been said a lot of different ways. He could have written that a lot of different ways. He said, has every sad thing come untrue? And I tell you, child of God, 
that when the Lord Jesus Christ says it is done, every sad thing will come untrue. It will be undone, unraveled at the root. It will be taken back to where the Lord wants it to be. And I'm not talking about time travel. I'm talking about when it is consummated and it is finished, every sad thing will come untrue. Isn't that beautiful? All because the Lord finished creation and He rested. He finished salvation and He rested. And He said, it is finished. It is done. And now begins your real life. Your real existence. Finished. Finished. And done. I'm going to leave you with this little poem as we close. It's called The Gathering. From dawn of time and Adam's fall. It comes to us, both great and small. Death's cruel hand shall seize us all, but won't prevent the gathering. Though once united with the Lord, now bound by Adam's sin-cursed cord, predestined yet to be restored. Oh, glory of the gathering. Here, sea and time keeps us apart. Though tears flow now from broken hearts, each end shall yield a glorious start when one day comes the gathering. Now death steals precious ones too soon. Bright days turn into midnight moons. But dawn shall break and none too soon. All tears gone at the gathering. Hear mothers cry at tiny graves of babes who died at early age or infants who ne'er saw the day. Yet they'll meet at the gathering. Many widows weep at the bier, grief for a husband loved so dear, when long companions part in tears, yet they'll meet at the gathering. When death's last bell will finally toll, the scroll of time be fully rolled, then Christ will loose death's cruel hold, and we'll meet at the gathering. The final call of God's great house will bring within all those without, a sum certain in Christ, no doubt, all counted at the gathering. When Master sounds the summons bell, numbers so vast no man can tell, but the Lord knows each one quite well. <laughs> all safe home at the gathering. Restored from wretched fallen state, renewed by Christ our destined fate, redeemed by blood, a ruined race, returned home at the gathering. Can it be true we all shall rise and fellowship before his eyes one day to be his kingly prize? How splendid is the gathering. I know not much, but I know this. My hope hangs not on flimsy ifs. Christ's empty grave secures all this. There shall be a gathering. Their sworn enemies shall be friends, and lions will lie down with lambs, united in the great I Am, sweet hope of the gathering. Oh, won't you join me now, dear friends? As down the clock winds to the end, my heart leaps, soon it will begin. I'm longing for the gathering. He finished creation. He's resting. He finished salvation. He's resting. 
He's going to finish all of this world and we'll be gathered and we'll rest forever in the finished work of Christ. May the Lord bless you.
You've been listening to a message from the Primitive Baptist Pulpit. Would you like to hear this message again? You can find additional airtimes for this sermon by consulting the schedule at gracealoneradio.net.